let's see. Well, supposedly we're recording now. Yeah, yeah. Is this, is it, oh, we are? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so let me just introduce this. Okay. It's Hello Climate Change is the name of the podcast. Waking up and taking action one conversation at a time. That's my goal. And the idea being that I'm just going to have conversations with people um, who not necessarily experts in anything, though there are some of those, um, and just not necessarily activists, though there are going to be some of those, and I've got one right in the room with me right now, who I will introduce in a second. Um, and um, but, but also just people who are just trying to contend with what we're being told and learning about our environment and what we've maybe felt bad about. I, I can say for me personally, what I felt bad about since I was a child um, since I came to understand that we're not taking really good care of our world. Um, and now that it's looking like we are actually going to go so far as to um, make it um, basically destroyed as a habitat for humans and other creatures, um, I kind of realized I didn't want to just sit around feeling bad about it. I wanted to try to think about what I should be doing, could be, should be, can be, want to be doing in response to that reality. So and I'm t today I'm talking to my friend Randy McMahon, who I think has been engaged in thinking about those same questions for a while now. So I'm looking forward to you hearing what you think and want to say, Randy. Okay. <laughs> Is it my turn now? Sure, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> um, I was, I've been an anti-war activist since I came back from Vietnam in the... Um, in the uh, 70s, early 70s, and um, I kind of focused on anti-war stuff and imperialism and um, the massive waste of money that we've been going through over the years. We, we spend four and a half billion dollars a day on, on defense. Um, and recently I started reading about climate change, and I read Naomi Klein's book, and um, I've been reading some of the um, literature created by the Transition Towns uh, movement in England, and that's Rob Hopkins. I think it's Hopkins. Yeah. Um, and they are, the two of them are very positive people. They talk about the need for immediate change, but they don't really um, have much of a doomsday kind of thing, which is really nice, because if, if we're going to change the world, we have to believe we can do it. Um, I have also read some of the climate scientists' material, and um, we really are in danger. And that's what got me to thinking um, anti-war is important, but if there's no planet for there to be a war on, then it doesn't matter. So um, I've become somewhat involved in a movement to... Um, be in opposition to the expansion of the Algonquin uh, gas pipeline that goes through Connecticut. Mm. So there. So there, good start. So I, I heard someone say recently that war, it's easy to underestimate how much of an impact war has on us. And just to think back or to imagine back to being a child and learning for the first time that humans actually organize themselves to kill each other and how what a discouraging kind of thought that would be so I mean I can see how both of those causes are kind of hard to extricate because so many people are struggling to just to feel like they have any power 
in in how the world works, you know. So that's really interesting to hear. That's your way in. Um, so, so Randy, I don't want to put you. On, it's not about putting you on the spot, but I guess what I want to ask is, like, what makes sense to you? What is your understanding so far? Where do you feel like? Like, what are some things you're trying? What what's been working? What isn't working? Any any of those questions, if they if they um, line up with something you feel like saying, I'd love to hear. Well, ever ever since Occupy, um, the Occupy Wall Street movement started, um, I've kind of thought that working through electoral politics may not be the way. It doesn't mean that people who are doing that aren't doing anything good, and they are, but um, I, I kind of just, I get very frustrated at seeing, um, going to the town hall and working for a, a resolution that has very little weight, that um, when push comes to shove, I really wonder if the town will stand up for it, if the town even understands the um, the importance of what is going on, the fact that um, we're heating up very quickly, and some scientists are saying if we leave, if we stopped now using any fossil fuel, we will still have a very difficult world to live in. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think that most electoral political people um, are there. I, um, I, and it gets very frustrating. And, and I realized recently that. Um, most people, including myself, really don't know that much about the uh, the climate issues, the the warming, the peak oil, the various things that that are all coming together. And um, most people I talk to, um, well, for one thing, the, most people I've talked to don't even know that there's a pipeline running through this area, and it's the Algonquin Pipeline, and it runs. Um, a matter of a few miles from where I'm sitting at this very moment. Um, it, less than a mile, actually. Yeah, mm -hmm. less than a mile. Yeah. Um, it runs through, it leaks, and when you go to the pumping stations and when you go to the metering stations, you smell gas, and you can actually see the, the curling, um, you can see the gas make everything look uh, out of focus and stuff. It's, you know, and, and these things occasionally blow up. But it, not only that, it's it's methane gas, and it's 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 being pumped through our area, and um, methane gas is way worse than uh, carbon dioxide. It it creates um, just unbelievable havoc as far as global warming, and when they leak and when they let off pressure, um, it goes up there. And it, and it causes us to get a little bit warmer every time. They're looking at it like some kind of magic pill. Like it's, it's not oil, it's not coal, it's clean gas. Well, the gas itself might be clean if it's not leaking or if it's not going up into the air, but um, it is. Yeah, so. it burn. from what I understand, it burns clean. Yes. But the unburned methane is much more powerful in terms of greenhouse gas effect in terms of yes. holding and trapping heat um yeah it's it's something like um well it's I many it times 20 times but i could be wrong yeah it's many times yeah. more dangerous than carbon dioxide um and they're just i mean i don't know i i get so frustrated yeah. with electoral politics the thing i like about the the occupy movement was 
that they worked very hard to bring awareness to people. They did it nonviolently, and they did it without um, trying to sway and woo the politicians. Basically, they said, um, President Obama is irrelevant. He's not bad. He's not good. He's irrelevant. He's not part of the cure. This man does not care about uh, lowering the, the um, temperature of the planet. He's pushing ahead to drill in the, in the Arctic. Um, I don't think we can look at these people as some kind of solution. Well, well, I would, I've heard people talk about, uh, I, I actually had someone on the podcast, I brought up that, that point about the going ahead and drilling in the Arctic and, and her, that person's take on it was that, that, you know, it looks to her like he's starting to see what the issue is. Whether or not he has power to make any real change is maybe more of the central issue of his maybe the idea of him being irrelevant. Um, because her take on it was that he, it, things were already in play, and that at the point where maybe he became aware enough to want to change it, that that maybe there's some. I I don't know. I don't understand those politics enough to to weigh in with any intelligence about um, whether or not he's done, he, his hands are tied, but that was the take that I got from another person. So I don't know. I think like that, that discouragement that you feel and that like frustration, like it can be easy to lose track of the idea that everybody's doing their best and sometimes their best kind of sucks. <laughs> But does that, do you disagree with that? You look like you do. <laughs> well, you know, when, when um, Barack Obama ran for president in 2008, he never told us he'd be um, powerless. Um, he didn't tell us that the oil companies would rule. I mean, I, I think maybe deep down he's a caring person, but um, he has not been able to say no. And he's the president of the United States. He's the most powerful person on earth. And if he cannot tell the oil companies this is absolutely insane to go to take this um, it's 400 feet wide and it's like 300 feet high it's this absolute monster that is floating in Seattle Harbor now mm -hmm. and they're going to tow it up there with a 70% chance of some kind of mishap not necessarily a major one but it, it does not have a good batting record and um, he could stop it um, he gets a lot of money from very big corporations. I'm going to try to get my dog out of the room. She's <laughs> Millie, come here. Do you have something to say? <laughs> Excuse this commercial interruption while I shut the door on my dog who wants to be petted in this environment. Go, 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 go. Go. <laughs> so, this is a, this is a. This is very a casual podcast. This is a folksy place. <laughs> <laughs> Let me actually shut the door. So, would it be safe to say you're discouraged? <laughs> well, I am, but I'm not. I okay. mean, I, I read a lot, and I see a lot of very positive things. Mm -hmm. um, and I also, um, I went to New York last September with 400,000 people, yeah. and that was encouraging. I, I would have liked to see a demonstration that was a little more militant, a little more um, not being so... Um, cooperative with the city of New York. I'm not talking about anything non-violent um, or anything. Um, it was very well organized, but it, it the, the system didn't really get nervous. I think it's time we made the system nervous. We, they need to listen to us. We're talking about the future of the planet, 
and that's really, really, really important. Mm. Um, but no, there's some good things happening. I, I know there is. Um, but you know, last last weekend we all went to Hartford, and um, I put in Facebook um, when when a rock star comes to Hartford, there's thirty thousand people there, and when the when the marathon comes to Hartford, there's thousands and thousands of people on the streets. When a group of people come to Hartford to talk about the future of the planet, there's 300. Um, people do need to learn. They need to be educated. They need to see the importance of this. And then maybe they'll come out into the streets and join us. Mm-hmm. So one thing that you've been doing that I've not actually attended, but I've been seeing your emails about you've been organizing screenings of um, documentaries on various social justice, environmental issue topic, those topics. Mm-hmm. Um, how's that been going? Well, that's not me. That's oh, okay. a group in stores. I go to them. Um, once a month, they have a film at the Unitarian Church in stores. And um, they've had all different kinds. They had Naomi Klein's movie. They ha- they've had many. They had um, Dirty Wars by... Um, who's uh, Jeremy, Jeremy Scahill. Um, and they're pretty well attended, um, but it's, it's the choir. They come out, they mm-hmm. watch, they listen, they go home. Mm-hmm. Um, it's better than nothing. Um, but p- people, I don't know where the people are going to learn. If you watch Fox News or um, the various corporate news, they, they, they don't cover it. It's, it's, the governor of Florida has instructed his state employees that it is against the law now to talk about climate change, global warming, and various issues like that. They cannot use the words. Right. Um, but that's been that that point has made national news. That point has yes yes. But you know, it it took something as outrageous as that for it to mm-hmm. get into the the press. Right. Um, I talk to people all the time, and there's just so many people who do not see the gravity of the situation. People, people are caring human beings, most of them, and I think if they knew that their grandchildren, possibly their children, will face a very, very difficult world. Um, when some of the climate scientists are saying um, the very young children of today could, in their adult life, could start to experience the extinction of humanity, um, which, strangely enough, is already happening. Um, 1,500 people died in the last month in in India from the heat. 30,000 people died in Europe, I think it was the summer of 2007. 30,000 people died from the heat. Um, It's happening now. It's like people are thinking that it's this big dark cloud that comes and goes, "Uh uh-oh, it's here. Um, it's here now. It's, you know, we're getting hotter and hotter and hotter and they have tornadoes and they have storms and everything. And, um, well, I guess it's just very easy to use denial. I mean, I certainly understand denial. Um, but it's, you know, when you start to discover that this is really, really important, um, it gets a little frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm wondering... How, I mean, it's not, it's, I don't think I've been in denial. I think I've been aware of it and felt terrible about it. Like I was saying at the beginning, I felt terrible about it, but powerless. And I think that what happens for a lot of people might be 
something of what I experienced, which was it, it, I knew think bad things were happening. I didn't look closely at them. Yeah. There was a period yeah. of time where I, I actually thought, I, like, what was in the news is that we were running out of oil. This was before they figured out fracking. Mm-hmm. And, and my feeling was like, oh, good. You know, now this will force us to clean up our, this is the major problem in the environment, and and we won't have the resource anymore. And thank goodness now now humans will be forced to to figure out better and more sustainable solutions. And then I kind of stopped thinking about it at that point because I felt relieved. And, mm-hmm. you know, and then, and then you know, it sort of came back around um, in this new incarnation. Like, oh, we still, you know, we, we have, you know, all this oil in reserve and it's way, way, like five times more than the climate scientists are saying that we can afford to burn and, and have a reasonable chance of surviving um, as a species. So, um so that's that's come up for me. And since then, I've been trying to think about how to engage the people in my life who aren't there. It's like sort of like trying to gently wake people up. Mm-hmm. I mean, because if you if you yell at them, you're going to be like an alarm clock that they put on snooze or they just try to get away from or <laughs> you made a smashing motion. <laughs> so so yeah, so like how do we process our frustration? So that we can get back to actually effectively um, engaging people. You know what I'm asking? Yes. Do you have thoughts about that? Um, well, the the reason I like the two books, the recent two books that I read. Can you na- do you remember the title? I know which what they are, but uh, um, go ahead and say them again. Naomi Klein's book is um, "This Changes Everything." Something about and capitalism then versus the climate is the right. subtitle. Yeah. Um, I've always liked her work. I think everything she's done has been really well done. Um, She talks a lot about the dangers of it, but she also talks about a lot of um, um, Native groups in Canada and the United States who have really organized. I mean, there's a lot of organizing going on among people who are on the front lines of climate change. Um, And also the book, um, the... um, what is this Rob Hopkins? Yeah, Rob Hopkins um, is from England, and he's the one who kind of started the Transition Town Movement, which is a movement that deals with peak oil and climate change by making towns um, more communities, less travel, um, growing your own food, becoming um, much more self-sufficient, and not relying on a globalized economy, which brings in avocados from everywhere and um so his so i book, see some titles here the power of just doing stuff that's one book the by transition him. handbook the transition handbook is what i'm reading now i okay. read the other one um this book is amazing i mean it was written in 2007 so there's even stuff a lot has happened in that mm-hmm. you know nine years or whatever um but it's still really well written and he talks about the need to not hit people over the head because hmm. um, people will just say well what the hell and give up um, he's talking about creating a culture a group um, a community which is better than now which is better than um, the oil gave us at any time um, he's talking about a community where people work together and they they know each other and they share and they they uh, actually do stuff together and they they buy their food all local and you tell Walmart we're not interested anymore and um, 
So, I mean, he does. He talks about some amazing things. He describes a community that I would live in in a heartbeat. Mm. Um, they they talked to a, a woman who was growing... Um, they, they put in, the, in this town in England, they put gardens everywhere. They put them in, in the, you know, the parks and little areas along the street and everything. And it, it, everything is growing. There's, there's um, gardens everywhere. And a journalist asked, well, aren't you afraid that people are going to come by and steal the food? And she said, well, that's the point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're hungry. And it was, just, it was just really neat to see. The food is for everybody. And it's, you know, it's not my garden and you can't touch it. It's, it's our garden. Right. So I, I like that. Yeah. A long time ago, and, and I think that a lot of the, the good thinking around how we can organize society looks like not as smart, looks naive, because people have experienced so much. Um, I think that people come at life in survival mode in a certain sense that, mm -hmm. that maybe was necessary at the beginning of human evolution, <laughs> <laughs> but that now we've got enough. I think all of the problems that are facing our... The, the good news is that the problems that... Um, that the that most threaten our survival as a species and even as individuals, I think, is our um, man-made, and so we're mm -hmm. in really really good um, position to address them. So, like when I was in my twenties, I had this thought: What if everything was free? What if we just abolished that you had to the idea of having to pay that nothing that that you either give it or you or you don't, and that's just the way we did life, and. And I kind of, I knew, I couldn't get, engage anyone in this, in this topic because everyone thought it was so, you know, fantasy. Gold, Goldman Sachs would yeah. hate it. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but uh, what, I, I mean, and the truth is we probably have a long way to go, evolutionarily speaking, in terms of our maturity, to be able to have a society like that. But, but that's what's interesting. It's like, well, how would we need to evolve so that we could live like that, that we could all, you know, and I think part of what I realized was some of the work that we do, that we call work, is not useful. Um, it's and, yeah. and no one would want to do it. No one would be forced to do it, and it wouldn't happen. But the stuff that needed to be done in order to have a good life would, would be distributed. We'd, we'd just figure out how to distribute it equally. And there'd be some people who wouldn't be up to doing their share for whatever reason, and I don't just mean good reasons. We don't get to decide their reasons. But we would... Like, we would need to nurture humans to want to be p contributing members of our of our clan, you know. And, and mm -hmm. that would, you know, that would become the thing that we worked on to make the world better, is to bring up, to, to strengthen our weakest links, basically. I don't know. That's my fantasy, anyway. I think the biggest obstacle is that in order for this to work, um, capitalism is going to have to go. I mean, at least the way it's run now. I mean, we, you can't have globalization. You can't have huge corporations. You can't have the inequality in incomes that we have now. It, it won't work. Um, you, you have to, this has to be broken down into small groups of people doing wonderful things together mm -hmm. and not some big corporation or a big government um, that spends so much money on defense. Um, one, one point that I bring out in my, um, in my war machine, which is a sculpture I made, 
um, which is shown in um, awarmachine.com. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you uh, have good links there, too. There are many links on awarmachine.com. Um, I've made a library page that has um, all the major issues, the environment, war, peace, and so forth. But something that people don't really understand is how much money do we spend on defense? It's not defense, but... Um, so here's something to think about. If you took all the money that we spend in one year for defense and put it into dollar bills end to end, it'll go for 83 million miles. Um, just to get a sense, we are spending absolutely huge, huge amounts of money and it is all being wasted. We're creating enemies, we're doing all this. Mm -hmm. The money that goes into defense could be used to build a new country. It could be a, a new world. It could be used for better schools, for, for all kinds of things that most Americans and most people of the world truly want. I mean, the average person who lives on this planet is a decent, hardworking person who wants a good life. They want something for their children. They understand that the, the model that's in in working now is not working it's awful it's it's anti-human so you know i don't i don't worry about the people i worry about that so much power and so much money is in the hands of so few people but you know we outnumber them so right <laughs> and that's yeah and that seems so key that we those of us who outnumber them and even the fact even them uh, i i all right let me just see if i can make two thoughts into words. <laughs> so one of them is that the people who are, are set up, you know, so that they're going to be the elite, um, the kind of pressures that they have to endure to like tolerate, to be okay with that. I mean, I don't really think that anybody is born wanting to be, um, to have a life of extreme privilege while other people are, are dying because they don't have enough like, I don't think anybody is born <laughs> thinking that that's a good idea. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, obviously they don't think about that yet because they don't have the information yet when you're just born. But as you grow up, you know, I feel like like if we just kind of step back to the fundamental realities about humans, I don't think anyone comes into the world with the expectation that, um, that they don't want to care. Mm -hmm. so, so I just think like... Um, you know, they've been, I mean, for, for example, let's just back it off and just talk about ourselves as people who live in the United States. We get an incredible amount of advantage that comes off of the backs of people in, in poorer and more vulnerable places in the world. And we've been set up to accept that as normal in a lot of ways. And, and nobody did it on purpose. But I just remember being as a, a kid, you know, the, the best message I could get was, you know, there because there are people starving in wherever the wherever the buzz place was at the time, um, that we should eat your peas. <laughs> like you should yeah. appreciate the best you could do if you feel bad is to really enjoy your privilege more, and that 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 message was ingrained so so early, and so it feels like to change our mindset means to go way back and. It means challenging the best thinking of our parents who were doing their best. And, you know, so I, I don't think what we're up against is small. It's tremendous. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it's not small 
in the sense of um, just the challenge of getting people to engage in and and really deciding they want that they want and they feel like they have the power to make change because you may want it to be different but not feel like you have the power. Mm-hmm. So, got any thoughts about what? It, let me ask you this. I'm not. I'm not going to keep asking you to tell me what what ha, what we should do, Randy. What are we <laughs> What are we going to do? <laughs> but let me ask you this. What What would you like to see happen in the in the smallest, babyest step of the of a way, in the smallest microcosm of your life? What would you like to see change next? Um, I'd like to see people wake up and read. Um, turn off their television sets and and start re- realizing that um, we're in a lot of trouble and we need to work very, very hard. But just uh, I just want to see people go, oh, yeah, um, it's not working. Um, and the people who have the power, I, I disagree. I don't think they care. Mm. I don't think they care anymore. They might have as children because um, children are blessed beings they they see the injustice but um there is and and what we're doing now is we're eating ourselves the 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 poverty that we um ate our peas for in china and and various places um well it's here it's in camden new jersey which basically doesn't even have a police department anymore because they can't afford it it's it's in detroit where they're shutting water off for people who who can't pay the the inflated rates and um it's there's pockets of poverty all around america um chris hedges talks about it in his book um years of destruction ages of no Hmm. years of destruction anyway chris hedges is a wonderful writer and he is very gutsy and he writes about this stuff and he talks about sacrifice zones in america and and they are areas where it has become third world and there's very hungry people and um the government of new jersey does not care about the people of camden it doesn't care at all in fact it is giving away the money to the rich so that the, these people will go hungry. The name um, of the book, I, I just looked it up, is Days of Destruction, Days of Revolt. Is that the one you're yes, talking about? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. An excellent book. Hmm. Um, so that's great. So those are great resources. And I would say, and I can, um, how about, let's think about some resources that, okay, so a book is a commitment that, that somebody who's not yet sold that they need to be thinking about this um, it might be a bigger commitment than they're prepared to make. Mm-hmm. Whereas maybe watching a half an hour video or, or a documentary or even a, a web series or something. Do you have any ideas about um, um, resources that are less... Uh, I think those are great, and I want to read that book. I've never read it, but let's... Like, what what else... What would be an entry-level um, Well, not to blow my horn, but <laughs> <laughs> my website has Whoa. hundreds of links to videos on various topics, um, and some of them are very short. Many of them are by Chris Hedges, uh, Glenn Greenwald, Naomi Klein, um, many, many people. Um, you know, the people at Democracy Now! Um, you can watch short videos. Um, I agree. It's it's much easier just to sit down and click on something and, and watch a quick video and then go out and buy a book that you may not read or you may not like. Um, many of those books that I've mentioned are available at libraries. Mm-hmm, um, right. 
Well, I don't mean it's the Some expense. Some of them are actually, the not time. many of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't think I'm worried about people not being able to afford to buy the books, but the, but that. But, I mean, it is but it's a, good to use the library. It but. is a more of a commitment, though. Yeah, oh, it's a commitment. And, time, and yeah. to, just to get started, to get a sense of okay, maybe somebody feels that there is a lot of inequality. And, you know, they've been watching television and they've been doing other things in their life and they really haven't paid attention. And something made them say, okay, I have to find out what's going on. Um, watching a quick video is a very nice way of getting in. There's, yeah. um, on my website, there's a site called um, Indignados and it's about the movement in Spain, the, the Occupy movement in Spain. And it's just chilling. This, this video is so... In, just so inspiring it's various people getting up in the morning and going down and devoting their time to the occupy movement in madrid and um th there's incredible music and it's just a beautiful beautiful video and it shows what can be done non-violently just these people are saints and mm -hmm. it's really good Th so. i think there's a lot to be inspired by that's happening in in south of the united states and in South America, in mm -hmm. Mexico and South America. Yes, there's yes. a lot of really productive, I mean, I think that there's there's already been a lot of protest kind of culture there. And so mm -hmm. there's more of a sense of the people's power than there is sometimes here, I think. I don't know, that's what, I, what I've... Well, yeah, I think our involvement in Central America and South America was so incredibly evil that people woke up and they... Um, they resisted, mm -hmm. and now um, several countries in South America are what I would call leftist and much more people-oriented. Yeah, mm. it is good. It's um, it's causing our government many sleepless nights. Now they have to think of new coups to do. Oh, mm. God, how do they do it? <laughs> um, so what about... Um, what about in Connecticut, where we live, where we have the biggest one of the, I think that it's, it may be that our cities are, uh, um, has the most disparity of wealth mm -hmm. of anywhere in the country. And um, I just think it's very interesting to think about that, where we live, how I think there might even be a heavier weight of discouragement around these kind of topics because we're like, we're so in the thick of such an unjust balance. Mm -hmm. I was reading a little bit about how, I think it was in the 60s, there used to be county governance. And so the way wealth could be redistributed, you know, so there was, um, yes. they were collecting taxes by the county. And so that the wealthier enclave in that county would end up subsidizing the city that was in that country mm -hmm. county and now they they took away they took that away many years ago now and then you know didn't bridgeport declare bankruptcy it, at one yeah, point it yeah defaulted. <laughs> so i mean i i i i like in a way that we're in a place where we're kind of, there's a way in which we though we are on the privileged end of that front line we are on a front line of en environmental and just in general social injustice uh and um so I'm kind of excited to learn more about that and figure out how to plug in, um, you know, to, to to speak up about things. I, I'm just beginning to figure out even the basics of how our political system works. And I maybe don't, I don't know enough about any one politician to decide if I'm hopeful about them, you know, as they stand right now. 
but I do, I feel like I've seen enough of the way the political system works that if there is enough pressure and enough of a sort of a clear consensus among the people that there, I feel like that there's, it's empowering to those people in that position to, um, you know, I don't know. I, I know I see how some people in politics will vote one way and it, and then they, they get go out of office and take a job on the board of directors of the company that they mm -hmm. just supported. <laughs> but I do think people are waking up some. I'm a little, I don't know, I think that the fact that I'm one of the people on the on the waking up line makes me feel like there must be a lot more like me and that we have some power that we haven't tapped in on yet. So. I, th I think that's true, mm -hmm. very much so. Mm -hmm. But I, I think we have to use that power um, in something new and different. And um, I remember seeing Howard Zinn, the historian at Eastern, and he gave an, a, just a spellbinding talk and he got everybody so excited. And this one young woman stood up and she said, Professor Zinn, um, do you think there's a place in electoral politics for people of change? And he said, no. Hmm. Clear as a bell. <laughs> that, you know, and I, I, I don't mean that people should give up um, hmm. because you can vote for things that do make a difference. I think what he was saying was the major issues um, are not going to come from government. Um, but that doesn't mean that local and state issues and various things can't be dealt with with voters i mean mm -hmm. people do change when they see that they're going to be voted out of office they tend to change their story <laughs> <laughs> right um but i think we need something in addition to electoral politics i think we ne we really need to organize into ways that um that occupy touched on i mean um democratic I don't know if I could handle the um, the process of repeating everything, and and, and um, it was a very laborious thing, but it worked. It mm -hmm. worked. I mean, they 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 had something really really powerful there, and it scared the crap out of the government, mm -hmm. and that's why they came down on them so hard. Mm -hmm. um, but they had something very powerful, and they they weren't asking to dismantle the government. They weren't asking. They weren't bomb throwers. Um, they just said, we have a better way. Mm. That's great. I think that's a good place for us to stop for now. Unless, I want to ask you one other thing. Okay. This, little, this is really <laughs> wide open. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Yes. I would really like it if people would go to my website <laughs> and read and, and look at the videos and read and, and, and start examining these issues. Um, there are lots of websites out there. There are lots of wonderful websites. The, the internet has globs and globs of neat stuff that is telling the truth. There are wonderful writers. Um, my website has a list of people that I consider to be very honest journalists, uh, very courageous journalists, and um, that is at awarmachine.com. And I, I will also um, um, list it on the show notes for this show. Thank you. Um, and there is, so you can subscribe to this show through iTunes or Stitcher. It's called Hello Climate Change. Um, I also have a website set up for it, and that is hello cc, the letters cc, 
So H-E-L-O. I'm overdoing the explanation. Here. <laughs> but anyway, hello cc dot info. Okay. <laughs> so thanks for talking with me, Randy. Let's do it again. Thanks for doing this. All right. Bye for now.